I'm excited to introduce our guest today. He's the founder of the app Relay, Julian Ling. Julian, how do I pronounce your last name? <laughs> no worries, man. Thanks, Q, for having me. My last name is Leniger. Leniger. Okay, I knew there was an extra I. I apologize for skipping it the first two times, man. Welcome to Bitcoin Magazine Live. Thank you so much for joining us. For our audience who maybe isn't familiar with the app or who you are, do you mind giving a little bit of background? Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really love your content and I read the Bitcoin Magazine for the last like at least five to six years. So you guys are doing amazing work and thanks for featuring us already a couple of times in your different channels. So my name is Julian Liniger. <laughs> I'm a young 29-year-old Swiss entrepreneur in the Bitcoin space. I found out about Bitcoin in my studies while I was studying in 2015. Didn't really take it seriously enough until 2017 when I drilled down and learned as much as I could about it. And then 2018-19 uh, transitions to make this my not only my hobby, but my uh, full-time profession. So since around two and a half, three years now, I'm uh, working on uh, Bitcoin 100% as an entrepreneur. I have founded Relay, Europe's easiest Bitcoin app made in Switzerland. So we really are on a mission to bring some Bitcoin into everyone's pocket and trying to make it as easy as possible for people that are maybe not like tech or finance geeks to get their hands around a couple of sets. We make this with a mobile app that you can download and within one minute with your bank account or whatever payment methods you want to use, you can buy your first bit within one minute and from 10 bucks already directly into your custodial wallet because Relay is also a mobile non-custodial wallet. So we're basically making it as easy as possible to get your first coin. And we're also kind of very renowned in, in especially in Europe by the Bitcoiners to also to have their savings plans like automatic recurring savings plans. You can set it up and forget it and you basically stack sats or DCA every week or every month. And also Bitcoiners really like us because we are Bitcoin only and because we are basically the best uh, tool to recommend to friends and family who are not into Bitcoin yet. So we're also kind of an orange pilling application. I love that. And I want to talk about the orange pilling, but first let's go back in time because I love that you talk about how I, I learned about Bitcoin in 2015, but I just didn't, I didn't get it. And it wasn't until 2017 when I really took the time. I'd love if you could just share sort of what was your mentality? What were the things that when you first heard about Bitcoin in 2015, you were like, no, go away. No, no. And then what was the thing that convinced you in 2017? Yeah, good, good point. So I need to really go back in time mentally a little bit for this one because I'm, it was like 20, what was I, 24 probably then, like, yeah, five years, no way, five years ago, 23. So I was young. I was, I was still, you know, early in my studies and, and I didn't really know lots about the world. I was studying actually psychology. And, and my minor was uh, business administration. So I didn't really know a lot about technology or about finances yet, or like how the world works. I was just a stupid uh, student. So I just got introduced by, by a friend of mine who was a techie. I'm like not a techie at all. I cannot read one line of code of my own app. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's, that's the part of my co-founder and CTO, uh, Adam Bilichan. He, he, you know, did all the technical magic. I really don't understand this. So I didn't really understand the, 
the revolution of it, of, of the technology and of the digital asset, uh, because I just, you know, didn't have enough experience, uh, I guess, in that. Um, and so I just saw it as a, as a game, as like something that looks cool on a screen. And he, this guy told me like, oh yeah, this is, this is something digital that you can trade. It has a price, the price goes up and down like heavily, sometimes 10, 20% per day. And you, he, we just looked at it as, as a digital trading tool where you don't need banks or, or, or a, a, you know, a portfolio to, to trade it, but you can trade it 24 seven, 365 days a year. And it just goes up and down and blinks. And then he also obviously showed me all these cryptocurrencies that already then, back then there was not, there was a few, there was not many, but already then there was a handful or maybe even dozens of different assets. So you could trade them 24 seven. And, and, you know, you look at all these graphs and blinky visuals and stuff like that on these different platforms that were available back then. And this was kind of what drew me in. It was more like a game to, to put a little bit of money just to work and gamble, basically. And so this, this was what caught the interest. And, and only after investing a little bit and trading a little bit and winning and losing a little bit of money for, for like two years with a very low amount of money, I then took the time to really get deep on like the fundamentals from a technical point of view, from an economical point of view from a societal point of view, like how can the future of our financial system look like, whereas actually our, and this was after I studied and understood a bit more of our financial system or economy, what could this mean? Like a new financial system that is actually decentralized and detached, like open to everyone and neutral, detached from politics, detached from financial institutions detached from governments, no central banks that can just print money and inflate the wealth of, of people away. An asset that you can trade 24-7 and transfer 24-7 globally around the world without any constraints. You know, all these things then became really apparent to me that, that this is actually a huge innovation and not just the game. So well said and so well put. I want to talk now you know, present day and onboarding new Bitcoin users or interpelling people. I feel like the conversations that we have today with people who are interested in Bitcoin are vastly different than conversations we were having two, five, and obviously 10 years ago. I'm curious if you feel like, you know, some of the new users of Relay or the people that you orange pill more recently, if their mentality or their reasons for adopting Bitcoin are different than the reasons which you shared why you looked at Bitcoin and why you wanted to go down this rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. I think so, definitely. Like when we, when I started kind of orange pilling people, or actually it was the other way around, that when it was like 2017, when the next bull run, or the, the big bull run happened, a lot of people obviously came to me and said, "Hey, you're you're the Bitcoin dude, right? Like you know about this stuff. How can I get involved?" As so a truly newbies that just wanted to come for the speculation, they just wanted you know the price go up and make some more dollars, or in our case, Swiss francs, with it. So I obviously helped them to do it, but they, they didn't really understand the implications of it because it was too early. Now, I feel like lately, like the last year or two, people approach me differently and they say, hey, I think this is the future. I don't really understand it yet, but I think this kind of is the future. It's here to stay because it is already here for more than 10 years. And they, they kind of start to feel a little bit that things are becoming more difficult economically, financially. So they are looking at it not yet as a hedge or a store of value, 
but something to bet on for the future. Like they think this is actually a great investment. They don't really know why, because they, there needs to be way more education. It, it just takes way more time. Like the adoption of a new technology like this, like the internet took decades, credit cards took decades. This is going to take decades. We're only one decade in. And so, but it, it definitely have, has changed from, oh, this is a stupid game. Let's speculate a little bit. Most of the people are still, still very passive on it to, oh, this could actually be interesting. I think this is here to stay. It is kind of part of the future. I want to be part of this. And let's put a, a little bit, like 1% of my network in it to now where I think, and this is happening this year with, especially in Europe, but obviously across the globe, kind of this, this huge inflation and, and the energy prices that are going wild and people really feeling that a piece of meat costs so much more, filling up a tank costs so much more. Like they now, and the, the central bank, the European central bank, promising to keep inflation at 2% levels beginning of the year. And then in Q4, it actually hits 9%. And so people really feel like there's something wrong. We cannot just trust the financial system anymore like it is now. The, the economy goes crazy. The, 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 the institutions are, are, are basically lying to us or promising stuff that they cannot deliver on. And so I think now it, we are entering this third phase of people feeling that it is actually kind of a necessity to at least put uh, a little, uh, uh, to take a couple of chips from their uh, savings to uh, an, an, uh, a savings technology that is outside of this, uh, this fiat-based traditional financial system that is about to collapse or not like, I, I don't want to be the doomsday guy here, but they just feel that there's something wrong here. Maybe, maybe it will get better, maybe it will get worse. I want to just be sure and put a little bit of my money into this Bitcoin thing, which seems more and more secure and long-term and, and rational investment than it has been perceived a couple of years ago. How much is the ongoing crisis in Europe? We talk about it a lot on this show. We see the reports coming out of Europe about the the energy costs just continue to compound higher and higher. We see the record inflation numbers coming out of Europe as well as our own record inflation numbers here in the States. How much are these pressures adding to the necessity for Europeans to look at Bitcoin and almost in like a, I don't mean to phrase this question in a crass way, but has does your app seen an increase in onboarding as a result of sort of the dire situation in Europe? Yeah, so the, the situation is getting more and more dire and it will only get worse, in my opinion. So there's a big middle class, right, in, in Europe. And the euro has lost a, a couple of percent, like a lot of, a lot of its value. It has a huge inflation. And now that the winter is coming, people feel that heating is, has, been, has been becoming so much more expensive and, and, and filling up the tank is getting more and more expensive, but their salary is not getting better. And, you know, when the winter is coming, it can, can get really cold in a lot of parts of, in, in big parts of Europe. And so these middle-class people just, you know, imagine you, you earn enough to feed a, a family of three or four or five, and now you, you suddenly get an increase in, in, in energy price. So to, to heat your home, 
to have light to to drive your car and rent like rents gone gone up uh, a lot also because of these reasons the, the prices for food has gone up everything goes up like 30 40 percent well people cannot afford this plus the interest rates are going up meaning the the uh, rates for mortgages going up so the the, the rents are getting even more expensive. So everything is getting more expensive, which will accelerate in, in, in wintertime, so in the next few months. So people are really in, in dire situations and are looking for alternatives. What the fuck am I going to do with my money? How can I ensure the money doesn't just lose all its purchasing power? And in, in this situation they're in, they're really open to alternatives which Bitcoin is one of these alternatives. So we, we do not see it, uh, to be honest, I think in like trading volumes a lot of Bitcoin because right now we're just still in this crash and shock mode. And Bitcoin is from, from, a, for, from a trading perspective, like the big uh, actors on the financial markets that are moving the markets and the prices are still looking at Bitcoin as not as a hedge or as a long-term savings technology, but they're looking as, as an on, a risk-on asset, right? And so they are selling it for liquidity now. And liquidity for them is USD. So they're selling everything that is high risk, including Bitcoin. That's why the, the price crashed, very correlated with all the other like tech stocks and most other stocks. And the, but the smaller kind of the normal people in the street they are definitely looking for, for alternatives and, and getting into Bitcoin. This shows kind of in our numbers a little bit because actually this quarter will be one of the best quarters, either the best or the second best quarter, uh, depending on how the next few days are going, uh, that we ever had. And so uh, even though there was the summer uh, hole where usually there is less uh, Bitcoin trading, even though we haven't really spent on, on marketing a lot, even though the whole market crash has happened, it, despite all these facts, we are actually having one of the best quarters in, in company history. So it shows that especially Bitcoiners that already use us are doubling down, increasing their savings plans, even buying more, like buying the dip kind of thing. And also newcomers that thought about buying Bitcoin at levels of 60 or even almost 70K. And then it was too expensive for them. But now they think about it and say, look, why not? Why not maybe putting in a little bit now? So they are starting at, at these prices now, which is a better entry point for them. And then I also think that really, as I said before, people really are looking for an alternative and betting a little bit on Bitcoin while also obviously uh, investing still in other stuff. So I still think we are early in this education phase, but definitely we, we do see still demand on even, even bigger demands than, than before. I'd love to you know touch on and maybe discuss some of the questions that get asked to you by people who are trying to learn and, and maybe we can help debunk some of these things. What are some common questions in the vein of Bitcoin and crypto that you have to teach new people very comp consistently? Like what is, what are those one or two questions that almost every new user is asking you when they, when they are asking you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. So the first question is always like about how, how do I buy simple things? Like, do I have to buy a whole coin or like, can I sell my Bitcoin again if I need money? Or how do I like 
can I just say I want to buy 100 bucks in Bitcoin and will you take the money from me and, and give me Bitcoin? Or do you hold the Bitcoin on my behalf? If not, what do I need to do to, to secure my Bitcoin? Why do I need to write down these 12 words? Like, or, or even worse, I've lost my phone. Please give me my Bitcoin. And it's like, oh, I didn't write down the, the seed words. Oh, they're gone. Doesn't happen a lot. But like these are, these are questions, like real questions. Um, why is the price going up and down? I, I have bought Bitcoin for 100 bucks. Now I only have 80 bucks. Please give me back my 20 bucks. So there are really very basic things that people don't understand, not only about Bitcoin, but also about markets and, and how, how like prices and stuff works. But I think one of the bigger issues that we as a Bitcoin community and obviously especially also we as a, as a service provider in this space really have to solve is, is about the, making it easier to, to buy Bitcoin and easier to understand. First, easier to understand why, why even to, to buy Bitcoin, why is it a good idea long term to buy some Bitcoin and then how to make it easier to buy Bitcoin with different payment methods, for example, or, you know, just making the process easier and explain it. So yes, you need to pay for your Bitcoin until you get the Bitcoin. You cannot uh, pull the money from, from your bank account. And then, but very important as well to, to hold and safeguard their Bitcoin. We need to teach people that now this is a new time, a new era where you can digitally hold uh, money for yourself and you don't need an institution for that. You don't need Relay to hold on to your Bitcoin because you can hold on very easily. You can hold on to your Bitcoin. And this is first, we need to give them more education about it. So writing down 12 words and stuff. But also we need to, need to give them the technology to do that very simply within a couple of clicks to, to, to store their, their coins in, in, a, in an easier way than, than it, is, it is possible now. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin, Moon Mortgage makes it possible to materialize your digital assets. Collateralized loans are great for living expenses, buying a car, or even for when you just have to have that sweet Rolex. But what isn't so great is when you then lose the ability to trade your assets once your loan has been taken out. So just like you, Moon Mortgage believes you should be able to have your cake and eat it too. Moon Mortgage's Trade and Borrow is the world's first digital asset loan margin account, allowing you to instantly trade your Bitcoin while borrowing against your account, all with next to zero insolvency risk, no origination fees, nor any third-party risk, as Moon Mortgage will never lend out your digital assets. Welcome to the future of collateralized lending. Visit moonmortgage.io today to learn how you can trade, borrow, and then trade your digital assets some more. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference, which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. 
The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and €3,499 for VIP whale passes. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. I, I just have to ask this question, but when users use Relay, they're able to just buy and sell as they see fit, no different than most other Bitcoin exchanges, correct? That's correct, yes. It's just we never hold the funds, the fiat funds or the Bitcoin funds on their behalf, but they can obviously buy and sell as, as they see fit. That's correct. Interesting. And so would a user of Rela like would are there KYC laws in Switzerland for an exchange like Relay or Relay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, of course, yes. They, they're just a, a little bit more in favor of, of users than in other places in the world and in, in the rest of Europe. So in Switzerland, there's a 1K limit of like a daily limit of 1K that you can buy and sell like transact coin without any KYC, without any registration or verification or onboarding. Like we don't even have to know the name or the address let alone the, the ID, or passport, or whatever information from our users up until 1K per day and 100K per year. We are a regulated, licensed uh, virtual asset service provider. So basically, we have quote unquote, a broker license. So we can exchange, we can help people exchange fiat to Bitcoin and, and back. What we're not allowed to do is hold on to like taking custody of the assets of our users or making investment decisions. For, for our uh, users, because that would make us an asset manager or a bank. Uh, but we, as, a, as a broker, we can do bipartite exchange between different assets, uh, such as fiat and Bitcoin. And in Switzerland, this, it is, there's a threshold of these 1K per day. Below, it's like it's called a Kassa Geschäft, so just a simple exchange without any custody involved. And then it's, it's no KYC, basically. Now, because we are regulated in Switzerland, we can do this technically in the whole world and we are now uh, open for all the european countries so we're live with active users in 40 different countries in europe our main our main market is actually germany the biggest country in europe so i'm a little curious and and i appreciate the distinction of your you and your business being brokers and not a formal bank anyone who grew up watching any sort of mafia movie knows the legend of what a Swiss bank actually offers and the privacy it entails. I'm curious if based on the way the law is in Switzerland, if Relay were to shift its business model to be a bank, would you still have to be KYC compliant or would there be a new level of anonymity and privacy for your users as a result? Given the fact that you would be a digital bank in this iteration, not a physical brick and mortar traditional Swiss bank. Yeah, no, I mean the the mafia uh, 
metaphor doesn't work anymore since a couple of years because the banking secrecy is not in place anymore. This was what kind of made this was one piece of the puzzle why Switzerland was such an interesting was such an interesting you know thing. Now no, it's it, it that there's no since then there's actually no big uh, differentiation between banks like there's no differentiation between physical bank or a, or a digital bank if if you're a bank you are licensed differently you have more requirements more legal requirements you need to do all the kyc aml proof of funds and all these checks you need to gather all these data from the user but just because of the business model is different because you don't just do exchange but but you also take on custody for for the assets and once you do once you have custody on behalf of your customers and do transaction on behalf of your customers, you regulate it like way differently. And so, you know, this is not this is not something we we strive for because we believe that Bitcoin is now this great asset that people can hold on to themselves. And we think the trend is clearly going towards. I mean, millennials and Gen Z; these are clearly people that want to control. Want to take control of of their own assets and of their own actions and of their lives. They think more in decentralized terms. They don't like institutions like banks and governments anymore that much. Like surveys show that really three out of four millennials don't really trust their government or really don't really trust their financial institutions anymore. So we think there's a big trend going towards this non-custodial asset uh, safeguarding. And that's what Bitcoin provides. And that's so that's also why we are not really interested in becoming like a fully fledged bank. We want to be we want to be exactly in the business that we are in now, which is about educating people about Bitcoin and how to treat Bitcoin and making it super easy for people to buy. And if they want also sell Bitcoin and to give them the tool set, the software to interact with Bitcoin in, in any ways that they want, also to make payments, to send money to their peers globally, to just hold their money in, in an app or in a hardware wallet. Um, and and you know, just exchange between the old money fiat and the new money. But we are not interested to hold Bitcoin on behalf of, of these of the people because we believe that in the next decade they will want a more a bigger chunk of the world will want to hold their their savings technology and their money on their own i'm curious if you guys especially in switzerland are i i understand that and Correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm learning very quickly how little I know about Switzerland, the laws over there, and just Europe in general. Switzerland, not formally a part of the EU, you guys have your own Swiss franc, but do decisions around the euro, or earlier today, Chris and I were talking about how over the weekend, the European Union announced Amazon is going to be leading the charge for the EU CBDC. Do any of these type of decisions around broader Europe's monetary policy impact switzerland in general yeah indirectly yes because i mean we're geographically part of europe we're actually almost the middle of europe and also economically like we're doing a lot of trade and you know there's a lot of uh, person traffic and everything going on between us and them and politically obviously we're very close to to all these countries we're a neutral country and we are not a eu country so we don't share uh, many of the laws and we don't share the currency, but, but mainly on, we, we're also kind of dependent on what they do. And obviously they are bigger. And, and so whatever they do also puts pressure on, on, on our stuff. So 
if they they come up with new laws doesn't mean that we directly have to you know follow that but obviously there's always kind of pressure because this would then again be a opportunity to kind of make legal arbitrage so for people that are living in the EU zone to profit from the different laws in Switzerland which is actually actually right now what what, what a lot of people are doing which is not wrong it's not illegal it's nothing it's it's just totally normal but these are things that the EU wants to avoid for example that uh, now a german um, or an austrian or a french or an italian person who would not be able to buy coin without any registration or onboarding in his country can do it very easily with a digital app like ours because he's basically digitally traveling to Switzerland to do this transaction, right? So there is influence. This is what we also uh, feel, this kind of political pressure. And there will be, at one point, uh, also changes because of that. And, you know, right now in, in Europe, uh, when it comes to Bitcoin and crypto laws, there's there's a lot going on, definitely. It's not clear yet in, in which direction it, it will get, and like the timings and the concrete changes are not clear. And so... Just to answer your questions, it, 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 will, it, it will at one point, we will develop in, in similar directions. So we're indirectly linked to each other, like the Swiss and the European legislation. And then have you had a chance to visit Lugano, which if I, again, did not make a mistake, is the city in Switzerland that has pushed forward legislation to adopt Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Switzerland in general is... is has been dubbed in 2018 as the crypto nation. So there's a lot of obviously crypto stuff, but also Bitcoin stuff happening, a lot of activity there. And our, our government is very open on a federal level. Now we have 26 cantons. One of these cantons is Lugano, which is in the Italian speaking part of Switzerland. We have Zug, which is called the Crypto Valley, which is in a German speaking area of Switzerland. That is, you know, had Ethereum Foundation and Tesla's Foundation, a lot of, you know, these uh, other crypto uh, stuff, uh, but also a big Bitcoin scene is in Zug and Zurich, which are cities right next to each other. So there were, there were on a federal level and on a cantonal level, already a lot of efforts towards kind of crypto adoption. And so we, we always, as a country, have been very friendly and very open to, to this innovation, which is why kind of we, we have several hubs already building and progressing in Switzerland. Now Lugano is kind of the latest hub that, that is about, I'm, I'm pretty sure there, there is a lot of activity act, uh, happening there. I haven't been there yet to check it out on the ground. I just have talked to a couple of you know, our investors that are involved in these, this, this quote-unquote plan B initiative. I obviously read the news and I talked to a, lot, a couple of people that have been there. It seems like this, this is going to be a, quite a thing. And it, it will summit, like this whole initiative will summit at the Plan B Forum by the end of October. Uh, just going to be there, uh, Relay and I, we, we are going to be there. And a lot of great people like, like uh, you know, Nick Sabo and Adam Back and a couple of great uh, Bitcoiners are, are going to be there to speak. And I, I know that the, the whole Bitcoin community, it's going to be a Bitcoin-only conference, which is great even though it's uh, organized by Tether partly, but it's, it's a Bitcoin-only conference that really will lay out the, the concrete plan and, and uh, progress of this Plan B initiative, which is the initiative trying to make Lugano one of the, or even the, Bitcoin hub in, in Switzerland. So this is very exciting uh, development. I'm looking, looking forward to, to be there in a bit more than a month 
to to check how things are progressing and, and developing in the future. Definitely very exciting. Definitely exciting to see more city states and just regions of the world continue to adopt Bitcoin and see the potential it has. I want to, Julian, just sort of have a discussion with you for the rest of our time of just what are, in your opinion, as you are living in Europe and you can see it firsthand, what are the biggest hurdles standing in the way of Bitcoin adoption in Europe and more specifically in Switzerland? Yeah. So, I mean, education, education, education. It's just really the there hasn't been enough time and commitment of people and maybe also the problem has not been big enough like the sense of urgency has not been big enough to really have the broad masses taking the time to educate themselves about this technology but yeah i also think that it's totally normal it would just need way more time in my opinion we probably overestimate the the speed of it 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 will take longer than than we expect just we will need some time to for people to get used to this technology and, and, and use it and try it out and learn about it until there will be brought. And there needs to be a need that there's no real need just yet, like depending on how the, the inflation and everything is, is changing in the, the near future, it might also you know come very fast. But currently, especially in Switzerland, like we, we have a very good government. We have a very uh, stable financial system. Our currency is, is pretty stable with only quote unquote three and a half percent of inflation. So uh, people don't really feel the need yet, but once they do, they, this will, this will progress in the future. It takes a bit more time uh, and, and education. Another, another blocker to adoption, I guess, is the image of Bitcoin in, in Europe. It, not in Switzerland specifically, but in Europe in general, it has a bad image. Bitcoin has a bad image. Still struggling with this. Oh, it's the it's the currency for the dark web. It's the currency for for uh, money laundering. It's the currency for criminals, terrorist finance, and so forth. But what's even worse is the whole energy the consumption topic. So it's really lately, uh, especially in, in boulevard press, in, in like press all around Europe, this narrative of Bitcoin being, you know, using some, as much energy as the big countries, so using too much energy and being unsustainable, unecological. This is really something that stops people from using Bitcoin or getting into Bitcoin because at the same time, it's this whole ESG movement. So this especially also from young people and from politicians and from bigger corporates, that this push towards more sustainability, more you know, ecological use of energy and stuff like that, which, which, which is obviously great, but that in, in, in the uh, media narrative, it's really, okay, we as, as, as kind of a, a generation need to move humanity and society to more ecological use of energy, right? There, there's consensus about that. And then at the same time, oh, look at this Bitcoin thing. It, it doesn't really add value. It's only like a game. They don't understand the value, but it uses so much energy and it's really bad energy. Like it, it uses coal and, and nuclear energy. It's all bad. And it has a very high carbon um, emissions and stuff like that. I think this is a big hurdle that we, and that's also where Bitcoin Magazine, I think, can do a lot in in really doing research and, and journalism and writing great articles about this is to educate people that hey it you know it it is 
actually helping to use energy. Bitcoin is helping in the end to use energy more efficiently. And, and it's a sustainable thing. The energy mix is and will become even more sustainable until it will actually be carbon negative at one point. It's, it's, it's important for us as, as a Bitcoin community as well to educate the, 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 the broad public about this and to try to change or challenge this narrative so that this narrative of Bitcoin being very, you know, ecological. We need to, to try to change that in public minds because there is already in, in politics talks in Europe about banning Bitcoin or banning Bitcoin mining because it's so, and it's consuming so much energy, especially in the energy crisis that we have now. Like the perception is, oh, we have not enough energy. Energy is so expensive. So why are we using 1% of the world's energy for, for this shitty Bitcoin mining? Like we, we should, we should criminalize that, we should ban that. This is kind of a, a, a narrative that is starting to, to become, to get traction. And we, we need to find ways to work against that. I know we spend a lot of time both on this show and in Bitcoin Magazine really trying to combat that climate change FUD. And it feels like that is the, the main attack point today, right now. Julian, what are what are some talking points that you like to use when you are trying to disprove that FUD? Yeah, so I always say that you can use like miners can go everywhere, anywhere to mine Bitcoin, right? So right now we need to produce energy where it is used because we cannot really store and we cannot efficiently trans transact or you know send the energy from one place to the other transfer energy so we need to produce it where we use it whereas bitcoin miners are geographically you know independent so they can go anywhere where will they go they will go to places where energy is available in surplus right and where usually they go to as cheap as possible energy sources, which tend to be the more sustainable energy source. And so naturally, the energy mix of mining will become, is already more than 50% sustainable and will become more and more sustainable. And then I also try to use this example to, to be less theoretic, more pragmatic. I use this example, look, there is this phenomenon called flaming, where oil producers, for example, have a byproduct, which is gas, and they either release this gas, methane and all these other gases that are produced by byproducts from, from oil, they either release it to the atmosphere or they even burn it, which is called flaming. And um, this is a, a big carbon emission thing. And, and, and this is really what, what drives climate change and, and is very ecological, right? So there's actually initiatives for Bitcoin miners to use this energy, this surplus energy that cannot be used, that needs to be burned. They can transfer this to, to Bitcoin. So you can actually use surplus energy that would be wasted otherwise and pollute the, the, the earth. You can use it to, to make money, <laughs> to, to make digital store of value. And so how, how cool is that? This is actually a way to use energy more efficiently in, in the world. And in the end, can make Bitcoin even in, in not only a carbon neutral, but actually a carbon process. So you have all the value that a decentralized, open and neutral 
financial system brings. Plus, it has actually positive positive effects on on our energy consumption as as a society. So I think this is kind of these are parts of the narrative. This is the narrative that we need to build: is that Bitcoin is not bad for the planet. It's good for the planet, and it helps to use energy more efficiently rather than less efficiently, and it it is more sustainable rather than less sustainable than the alternatives that we now have. I also like to compare to to the, the existing financial system that we have now. Like, how much energy do you think the banking system is using? How much energy do you think gold mining is using? How much energy the the, the printing of actual money, physical money, banknotes is using? This is so much energy. And what do you think the energy mix of that is? What do you think how sustainable these energy sources are? They're definitely less that is way more energy used and way less uh, sustainable energy and then there's also the comparison to not even only this the, the financial system but also other stuff like bitcoin is using less energy than the the united states uses for their christmas lights in in you know every year the christmas lights in in, in december and winter uses more energy than running a global financial system it's crazy YouTube, for example, is using way more energy, like all these cat videos and all that kind of stuff is using way more energy than Bitcoin. So I try to put Bitcoin in perspective in terms of how sustainable it is and how much energy it actually uses. And then if people understand these perspectives, then usually they don't think it's a bad thing anymore at all. I, I love the compare and contrast of how much energy is being used in, in all of these other things. I mean, my favorite one is always how much energy is used to maintain all of the bank ATMs that are available to you 24-7 so you can access your fiat dollars on top of the amount of energy that the U.S. government has to use to maintain the military, to maintain the supremacy of the U.S. dollar. But that's a rabbit hole that we'll get into another time. I want to Julian, give you the opportunity. I've been asking you a lot about Europe and a lot of just sort of conversations about education and, and onboarding, but has there been anything in particular that you've wanted to touch on that we haven't yet had a chance to discuss? Well, do you think, you know, like, I mean, obviously, I, I, I'm happy to share a bit more on what's what's on the horizon for Relay, if, if, you, if, if you may. Sure. Or- also have a question for kind of from the Europeans to the the Americans. So maybe we we, sh- we could start with let's, that. Let's start with that. Yeah. All right. All right. So like it's it's always interesting for us to to look you know across the the ocean and to to what what's happening in the U.S. because the U.S. is kind of the dominant country in in the world even and and has the dominant currency. I I feel like lately with developments in in Russia, China, and so forth, there are there are initiatives trying to weaken the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. Do you feel that do, are are people afraid of of that in the U.S. that this could happen in in the near to mid future that the U.S. D will lose its dominant reserve currency status? And what think, what is Bitcoin maybe playing for? Like what role is Bitcoin playing in that scenario? If if it is a scenario, totally. I think I think you have to separate the response into different groups of people and. 
I would say there are three just to, for simplicity's sake, knowing full well there are closer to 500. I'd say the first group is the Bitcoiners who very much buy that narrative, who kind of see the writing on the wall and see how the moves the US government is making and the moves that foreign governments are making are in a direct path to eventually have the US dollar no longer be the global reserve currency. I think there is a sentiment, and I'll speak for myself mainly, that should more countries be granted the ability to price oil in their own native currency, it doesn't need to be formally announced. It doesn't need to be a declaration from OPEC or from the EU or anywhere else saying, hey, the dollar is just, it's not the global reserve currency. To me, whatever is the global standard to price oil in will be in the intermediate term, the global reserve currency. There's the secondary issue of the impending collapse of the European bond market. We've seen this happen across more developing nations. We see the collapse of the Japanese yen. There's now another class of people who I think actually think in the shorter term, the strength of the dollar will continue to increase. But it's only inevitable that with that increase, now there's added pressure and ultimately... I always go back to why would we believe that the people who made the decisions to put us to put us in this situation we find ourselves in now, why would they also be the same people who would be able to get us out of the position that they put us in? Mm-hmm. So I would I would explain sort of those those two within the Bitcoin community. And then there is, in my opinion, a vast majority of people in America, who have no grasp or real understanding of what does it mean to have the global reserve currency be our native currency and be the currency that our country and government is able to print to no end. And for the vast majority of those people, they can be told all of these things and yet would rather just say, but it doesn't matter. Like the US dollar has existed my whole life and it will continue. And there's a lot of denial, I think. I have it amongst close friends of mine who I'll have these types of conversations with and their response will just be like, yeah, but like the government will figure it out. Like the US dollar is just, the dollar is not going to go away. Um, And I think there will be a lot of pain in that class of people. I think a lot of them will be shocked when the inevitable happens. And then the the final group of people, I think, is or are the decision makers, the people in government who maybe see some of, but not all of what the class of Bitcoiners see, the inevitability of the end of the dollar. And they think that if they do just one or two things correctly from here on out, that things will return back to normal and everything will be fine and dandy and the US dollar and the USA will remain in power. And I genuinely believe it's the combination of both of those ideas that gives fuel to our policymakers here in this country. Um, Whether they're right or wrong, I believe they're wrong. I've said for some time now that like the best example of this is Jerome Powell 
coming out in 2021 saying inflation will be transitory. Don't you worry about it. It's not a problem. Only to then in April or May go under oath in a hearing in front of Congress and say, yeah, we made a mistake. We didn't know as much as we thought we did. And that's why we find ourselves here. I have no reason to believe that it, from that moment in time to today, he's learned so much that his decisions will right the ship. But mm. I also, I think I am in the minority, truthfully. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting discussion. It's the same thing, like, like the the ECB coming out. Oh, we will go back to two percent inflation, and then just a couple of months later, they say, oh, actually, we're now trying to stick below 10% inflation, like, oh, we did a mistake. Like, I, it's, it's, really, it's really hard to believe that they have any control over anything or are just, or, or are just bluntly lying with, with an agenda. But uh, it's, it's getting more and more tough to, to really trust on, in, in these institutions. And as, as you say, it's, I think it was Einstein who said something like, yeah, it, it, to, to to do the same behavior and expecting another outcome is like a crazy insanity. Yeah. So it, this is the this is the, as you said we cannot probably trust on the people that created the problem to solve the problem. Exactly, Julian. As we wind down, I want to give you the opportunity to let our audience know more about Relay and what's coming up with the app and where they can stay up to date with any of these updates you guys have cooking. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, we were on the market for a bit more than two years now. We were the first Bitcoin-only stacking sets mobile with non-custodial wallet integrated and with a like a almost non-existent onboarding process that only takes one minute and allows people to invest in Bitcoin from already ten bucks on buying, selling, and especially auto-saving Bitcoin. So sixty percent of our uh, users do have an automatic savings plan running. So this is uh, obviously used a lot and really cool. But what we have found in these two years is that we need to make it even easier for people to, to buy Bitcoin. Right now they can buy it with just a, a bank transfer. This can sometimes take one or even two days for them to send money from their bank account to our Swiss bank account. And sometimes it can cost some fees. So it's, it's really not yet a perfect kind of experience. And we've worked hard on that during summer to, to fix this. So in a couple of weeks or even days, like beginning of uh, October, we will release this new, this completely new app, basically. Like we, we have really reworked a lot of stuff in this new update that is coming up where it will be possible for everyone in Europe within you know, one minute to buy, pay and get their Bitcoin into non-custodial, in their non-custodial wallet. 24 7. so imagine sunday morning you wake up you have a coffee and you want to buy the dip you can do it within a couple of clicks you can use still you know bank transfer instant sepa transfer but you can also use a credit card or google pay or apple pay or paypal stuff like that just instant payment and within seconds you have purchased the bitcoin on the price that you wanted that you saw and you will get the bitcoin within minutes so this will be a world's first this is there's not there's no service that I am aware of that is Bitcoin only and allowing you 24-7 to buy Bitcoin within a minute from 10 bucks already and getting it directly delivered to your own uh, non-custodial relay wallet. So this is the, the thing that I'm most excited about probably this year coming up beginning of October. So really watch out for 
for what we are delivering. And there will, there will be a, a couple of other very cool stuff happening with other areas of the app right now, like the referral program has been, has been worked on. And there's a lot of cool UX UI changes that, that all of you will like. So stay tuned what we are going to deliver as an update at the beginning of October, where you can get in touch with us or, or keep up to date. Is obviously, we're not just, you know, Twitter handle is probably something at Relay, at Relay underscore app. I think you will find us there. And then we, we're also, our DMs are open. We have Telegram chats that you can join if you want. And probably easiest way to get in touch is just to download, for the Europeans to download the app. And you can also on the top right chat icon, you can start conversation with uh, with us. Yeah, so thanks. It's, it's actually at Relay underscore app yeah i think that's uh, pretty much it myself i'm also on twitter if you want to follow me and uh, ask some questions about you know bitcoin and the world and relay just feel free to get in touch happy to have a conversation julian thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today man highly recommend you give julian a follow and for anyone over in europe who needs a different way to buy their bitcoin be sure to check out relay we're going to do a hard wrap here gang i want to thank everyone for tuning in today just a reminder Tickets for Bitcoin Amsterdam are on sale now. Use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off and ticket prices will be going up on Friday. You have been warned. I continue to warn you. Do not miss out. We will see you guys tomorrow and we'll be back with the final date coverage of the Hodlnot v. Craig Wright trial up in Oslo. So you're not going to want to miss this. Set your alarm for 1 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. We'll be back with specific mills reporting from the ground. Thank you all and stack sats and stay humble. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our Proof of Workshop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day 3 of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and €3,499 for VIP whale passes. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.